Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Wednesdays with Wombat with your host, Toby McKinnon. Welcome back to Trot's Life, an interview we've been waiting and waiting for. Kev Wiedenbach, how are you, mate, and whereabouts are you today? Oh, mate, I'm at Waring, just at home, working August. You're at home? I thought, have you got reception there good enough, or are you down the road? Uh, I think we're travelling good at the minute. The, the fellow I just spoke to before said we're good, so we're off. All right, beautiful. Now... Tell us a bit, obviously, there's a little bit of family involvement in harness racing. We probably shouldn't run through every uncle and auntie and cousin you've got, but th- you were born in a harness racing. You had real no, had no real option, did you, mate? Yeah, no, we had a few of us. There's uh, down my mum's side, there's, you know, Ozzy and Neto, Rita, Josie and Carmen and all those. There's a, there's a lot of them. And then um, obviously my grandparents and my dad and my dad's side. Harness racing... Not the easiest sport either in the world, mate. And uh, you've had a little dabble at training. Trade the you've trained the six winners. You've probably more been specialised in the driving side of things. Where where does it all fit for you? Are you a driver, are you a trainer, or are you a bit of both? Uh, well, I have a go at them both, but training really is not my my interest. You know, the the passion and what I do them for is the driving. You know, but. Um, I had a, you know, had a little crack there at training. I always had one or two on my own. Um, yeah. But basically, you know, they're all of us train them all together. So, you know, we've got 20 in work there, mums, dads, and I all together, you know. Because you had a little mare, Lucy McCool. Was she really the first one you had a bit of success with? And she won three very quickly, and then you moved her on, and you might have thought to yourself, this is a good go. Well, yeah, I reckon that might have been one of the only ones I had in my name as trainer. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd never really, never really interested in training, but um, obviously I always worked with mum and dad, and um, so I think that one was one of the early ones I put in my name. You know, I just happened to go to the races one day in Malcolm Watford because he's W and we're W. He was beside us. Yeah. And um, it must have went bad or something, and he wasn't very impressed. And I said, "Well, I like it. How much do you want?" And I took it home, and it done a good job. Yeah, it certainly did. Now, in about, oh, it was COVID uh, time, mate, and you'd been through a period of about driving for 11 years and you were averaging about five or six winners a year on average across those 11 years, one out, one outstanding st- season of 22 winners. But then things really turned for you, I think, on and off the track perhaps. We've lost you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, go. Yeah. You there? Or... You there? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now again. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, like I said, I, um, I, I always, the, the whole reason I, I like to be in them was because um, obviously the family was in them. And I love the horse, but um, the thrill of driving a winner is, is really my main thing, you know, like, 
people say to me, oh, you know, you, you drove a $3,000 winner at Sky Derby, you know, but whether it's 3000 or it's Melton on a Saturday night, I just, that 30 seconds after winning the race, that buzz it gives me, yeah, that's, that's the reason why I do it, you know. Because, I mean, the love of the horse is one thing, but, I mean, you know, I can go to the TAB and have a bet on them or see a horse up the road and pat it over the fence or something. So, I mean, to actually do it seven days a week, the, the reason I do it is the, the driving, you know. So back back at COVID, there was certainly a big change in your life, mate. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, well, I mean, um, like I said, I just I was always uh, when I was like a real young kid, I wasn't very big, and then um, when I was about twelve or thirteen, I got my tonsils taken out, mm. and then um, I found out what it was like to eat, and mm. um, I went from there and. Uh, just got real big and just sort of got bigger and bigger until it sort of got out of control. And I think the thinking back now, I think the worst thing was that I could do everything that anyone else could do. And I didn't realize that I was as big as what I was, you know, because I just kept going on with life as, as it was, you know, I didn't even think about it. Yeah. But, um, then I like, I had, I had a crack at everything. I had a crack at everything. I had a crack at breeding them. I had a crack at, um, you know, sort of full-time breaking in and pre-training and, you know, I had a bit of a go at training them. Um, but, I mean, this, the real turning point was one day I I, um, I had a horse of my own. I bought it. Um, I, I owned it, trained it, um, and I took it to the races. I thought it could win. Uh, I had a I had a little bit of a crack on it, and my sister drove it, and the horse won. Yeah. And when I was walking back to the stable, I just had no... Like, obviously, I was happy at one, and my sister drove it and that, and I had the betting ticket, and I thought, gee, you know, this is all right, but it just never gave me no kick, no buzz. Yeah. So then I thought, well, I've got one of, you know, I've got to take one or two options here. I've only got to do something drastic and, and sort of lose the weight and try and be a driver or just walk away, you know, because I just, it wasn't giving me the kick that I wanted. Yeah. And like, like what you say, like, it's not like a big financial job. It's not like we make a lot of money out of it. So if you don't, if you're not enjoying it, you're not doing what you like to do. There's no real point in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that that trigger to just to get that thrill of driving the horse and winning the race, whether it's yours or not, and whatever the value of the race was, was the catalyst for you to say, I, I've got a chance here. I can change my life and do what I really enjoy doing for maybe the rest of my life, or I've just got to walk away from it. And you thought, no, I'm going to have a crack at, at, at losing some weight and being a, a much better driver. And, mate, things have changed. You've averaged 15 winners a year since that moment. Yeah, well, like I said, obviously, uh, you know, uh, when it comes to outside drives, well, you could basically, before I lost mm. the weight, you could pretend through those. Because, I mean, Coming through the junior drivers' ranks, you know, and like I said before, I I always believed that I wasn't terrible. I'm not saying I was no Jason Lee or whoever was going with me at that time, hmm. but you know, I believed I was up there in my age group with with a couple that could go a bit, that could do a decent enough job. But, yeah. You know, as they people say, don't judge a book by its cover, but people do. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, looking from the outside, if you could put me on or you could put, say, a young bloke that maybe wasn't as good as me or never had the experience as me, but he was 60 kilos lighter, 
they'd always take that option. Which, now looking back on, that's probably understandable, you know. But I definitely believe if, if I was this weight 10 years ago with how I used to sort of drive, you know, I, I could have done a much better job than what I've done. You said 60 kilos. Did you lose 60 kilos? It wasn't that much, was it? I lost 70 kilos. Lost 70? 70. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, I wouldn't have thought it was that much, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, it, obviously, it's a lot more than anyone expected. It's a lot more than I expected, you know? like Yeah. When, when, when I originally went to, to the doctor, to this surgeon guy to, to see, you know, what I could do because one of my uncles at the time, Uncle Patrick, he had another operation done and he'd had good success with it. Yeah. And uh, um, I went into the bloke and obviously, you know, you take all your blood tests and explain your situation and they take all their tests and that. And I said to him, you know, I wouldn't mind getting this operation done. He said, well, look, this is what I do every day. Yeah. Uh, that one won't suit you. But if you take this other option and you just stick by what I'm telling you, you don't know extras, you'll lose 30 kilos. Yeah. And then it's up to you if you want to go to the gym or, you know, go uh, further, you'll lose another 10. So to lose 70, it's obviously Remarkable. way more than anyone expected, you know. Yeah, well, well, well done, mate, because you made a decision you wanted to do something and your body did it. And uh, we're proud of you for that, let, let me tell you. Now, the the reason I've been threatening to get you on all this time was this intriguing mare, Chevron Flies, who you bought out of New Zealand in 2020, I reckon, and she didn't race for three years. She had a go at going a stud. Tell us the story of Chevron Flies. Well, she's, a, she's been a bit of a headache. Oh, um, yeah. So... Start off with obviously my brother and I is, is not in horses as in uh, Billy, he's not in horses as in train him or drive him. He just he just owns a few with me and uh, yeah. and then you know, things like cows and sheep and whatever we do, him and I are in basically everything together. Yep. So um, you know obviously I'd, I'd worked along doing whatever I'd done for my whole life and sort of putting a little bit away here and there and whatever. And he's got his job, he drives cattle trucks, and then we got. Um, cows and sheep and things that we sort of turn over and whatever. And uh, it got to a stage where we were sort of going to do something and it come down to we're going to uh, put a deposit on a house and then rent that house out just in a town up road for us because, you know, the rent was sort of good at the time and pay that off. I had to buy ourselves what we thought was a decent horse. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, like long story short, we you know got the the list from one of the agents or whatever in New Zealand and went through them and I know there was about seventy horses on the list and this was the one that I picked out. So I'm not one of these to go back on my word or anything, you know. Like say I didn't pick it or whatever, I picked it. Yeah. There's no one come and and come and you know I worked it a few times and I thought, gee, this goes real good, you know. Obviously much better than what I was working at the time. Mm. And um, one morning she came out with a little bit of filling on her joint. And uh, as it turned out, she had this little tiny little pinhole. Like, you couldn't even see it. And she must have got an infection in the joint. Mm. So that was a drama there. So she had to get all that scraped and cleaned up and whatever. And she had three or six months off. And then 
she come back and worked up and she was sort of going okay and then she broke down again and she had to get all the ligaments cut one of the front legs so that was nine months off and uh then we had the great idea that um we'd get that pedigree matching yeah and, yeah. and, and we'd get her in foal and hope that she'd have a nice hold or something that we could put through the sales to try and get some return yeah while she's having the nine months off because i'm not real patient i thought maybe you know, if she's not in foal she might have six months or something and i'll get itchy fingers you know and uh, so we done that, and she carried it for six months and lost that somewhere along the line. Yeah. So she's just been a complete headache. And then she sort of come back, and she worked up real good, and she was ticking along good. And that's when I reckon you might have texted me or rang me or something, and I said, oh, I can't. I just can't do the interview because I believe in sort of them, them jinxes sort of things. And I thought, I reckon she's ready to win. I just can't do the interview. And Anaway, oh, well, I couldn't get her to win. Yeah, I gave her a few runs and nothing was sort of happening there. And um, his brother Billy, he's sort of like he's not, you know, he's in the horses with me. And that holds him as a bit of a bet, Matt. But you know, he's not a real massive fan on who's who and da da da. But when he was a kid growing up at the races, obviously going the race with mum and dad and that, uh, Daryl Douglas always used to muck around with him, and you know, they'd kick the footy or muck yeah. around. Yeah. And, and Daryl was the big thing. Daryl was the yeah, number but, one yeah. obviously when we were kids you know like there was no greater and uh so he said oh well, how about we how about we give glenn a go you know and maybe daryl might drive her a few times and see how how we go there so that's how glenn come together and and uh glenn and julie and um eric and same thing she took a long while to win a race so- but they've done a super job with it huh? Seven seconds she ran before she won that race. I thought every time she won a race, I thought you thought I was going to jinx you about winning a race. I think you jinxed yourself, mate. Yeah, well, the same thing. I just and it just kept running seconds, and a, you know, a few times there they thought they'd win, and then you know, even one time there it was in at Maryborough, and I reckon I went to Adelaide or something to visit my girlfriend, and. Um, they put Daryl on it, like it might have been a Sunday, it might have been Maribyrnong Cup Day or something. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Was on, and, uh, and Billy said, "Oh, you know, it'll, it'll just win today. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna have a bit of a bet on or whatever." Daryl's driving it, and thinks it can win, and uh, something went pear shaped there. Anyway, it didn't win, and just they dragged out for a while. But then, um, luckily, when I went to Mildura, I got the money. Got the money at Mildura. <laughs> You've talked about the thrill of winning a race in that 30 seconds afterwards. What what did that feel like? Was it a thrill or was it more of a relief or what? Well, well, someone said to me later after the race, someone rang me on the way home and they said, gee, you're a bit excited. And I said, yeah, I don't know if I was excited or relieved or what it was. It took me five and a half hours each way. And I went on my own and if it didn't win, I would have been a bit upset. So, uh whether it was that far in front or not, I was going to make sure it won, you know. Well, it cost you a house, basically, to get that win. Well, that's what I'm saying. Some, uh, someone was saying the other day, they came here and they said the house is in the area where we're supposed to buy, like, gone up by, like, 30% or something. Da-da-da. And, yeah, so I just, I don't bring that conversation up with my brother, anyway. <laughs> no, I wouldn't either, but... Doesn't matter, mate. Life's life and decisions that have been made in the past have been done. You don't worry about them. You look forward and uh, that that's that's where it matters. And you're in a wonderful place and uh, heading over to South Australia pretty regularly, mate. Uh, things going pretty well there by the looks of it too. 
yeah, obviously my partner Casey, she lives over there and works a few horses. Um, and I love I love the racing over there. It's, it's, I think it's a track road derby. It, it seems to suit the way that I drive, and you know, with no disrespect to the horses, I, you know, because I've been so far down the list and never really got a crack on what you'd say a decent horse. I'm sort of used to driving that that caliber of horse, and yeah, yeah, uh, I've probably been known, you know, that. You know, sometimes I, people might think I'm a bit out there or make the wrong moves or whatever, but I've just um, do things sort of a little bit out of the square on ordinary horses or things that people wouldn't expect. And it, obviously there's times it doesn't pay off for you and you look like a bit of a clown, but sometimes it, it pays off and, and it works for me, you know. Yeah, well, I've never thought that, mate. Uh, anyway, you've you've done very well to get a win out of Chevron Flies and... Some wins are the hardest earn, and I think that's in that category. Uh, winning at Mildura, it took till out a week off radio for you to get that win. So maybe you need to organise me to have another week off. Yeah, well, if that's the, if that's the case, you can have as many weeks off as you want, you know. But, um, <laughs> I reckon. Don't, don't worry. I think I think she went terrific the other day at Charlton. I think her, that run was as good as as she's done, you know, um, on the clock and that. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, with the right run. Um, another win will be around the corner. But she seems to be one of those where, you know, you think she's better than what she's in against. She's going to get a good run and she gets beat, you know. Rolling Ramona tonight outside second row. You're not going to do something drastic or out of of the uh, left of field to to get a win in this race or in third in the heat? I'd I'd like to do something a bit left of field, but they've they've warned me this morning while having a cup of tea. (laughs) That's not on the cards there. They're convinced that just driven pole and doing nothing because she won that one race from doing nothing back on the fence at Charlton. Uh, everyone thinks that's the way to go. But I think she's racing really well. And if the speed's on and she's doing no work, it wouldn't surprise me if she's riding the finish. Oh, very good, mate. Best of luck tonight. And uh, thanks for coming on and being so candid and sharing your story and your journey, particularly over the last uh, three years, Kevin. Look forward to catching up with you at the trot somewhere. No worries. Thanks for having me on, mate. There's Kevin Whedon back. The story of Chevron Fies and his own personal journey as well in the trots. Let's clear a commitment. We'll come back. We'll have a couple of short segments. We've still got Shannon O'Sullivan with what was going to be a, an amazing little story tonight. But uh, Go George Go is scratched and... It's very tempting to reach out to Glen Bull and get uh, Jimmy another drive, let me tell you. Uh, let's get clear that commitment. We'll come back and we'll catch up with Shannon still in the next 40-odd uh, minutes.